Welcome back to Compassion Revolution podcast, my friends. In this series, we're going to prepare you for the Compassion Revolution conference on the 24th and 25th of October. You can grab your ticket at CompassionRevolution.care. Our theme in 2023 is Making Work Beautiful. Join me and some of our extraordinary speakers. Hello, everyone, and we're back with the Compassion Revolution podcast. This is going to be a really interesting season. I'm inviting some of the important and really interesting and exciting speakers for the Compassion Revolution conference that we're holding on October 24 and 25 in Melbourne. Our theme this year is Making Work Beautiful. And my guests today are Sally Douglas and Imogen Khan, both two incredible women who, after losing their mothers within months of each other, found that how we handle grief, you know, leaves a lot to be desired. I'm really keen to dig in and find out better ways that we can handle grief, particularly at work. So let me welcome Sally and Imogen from Good Morning. Hi, Mary. Hi, Hi, Mary. Hi, Imogen. Thanks for having us on. (laughs) And you you refer to each other as Sal and Im. Yes, that's how we're known (laughs) by each other and by our community. We like to abbreviate things, don't we, Im? All the time. <laughs> okay. We've got Sal and M. And the first thing I want to let people know that it's good morning and morning is M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. And it's a sort of morning that we encounter when grief is at play in our lives, right? Absolutely. So the f- like, first up, thank you that you're going to be a speaker at our conference in October. We're super, super excited. I first heard about you through one of our community members who sent me a little message to say that she had been checking out your podcast and had found it super helpful following the death of her nephew. So thank you that you've been loving and supporting my community and um, that we share a community in common. feels really beautiful. It's so wonderful to hear, Mary, and thank you for the incredible work that you're doing as well. It's so important. Thank you. Hey, let's dive in. I am super curious how two intelligent, vibrant women full of passion happen to meet each other at just the right time. So if you could give us that backstory and become such incredible friends and then having met each other, how did the topic of death come up? So what's the story? It's it's quite a magical story. We call it our love story, don't we, Im? We do. <laughs> so, as you mentioned, Mary, in the intro, our mothers died within months of each other. Both died suddenly in their early 60s. And Im and I were both living in Sydney, both in our early 30s, both struggling with the magnitude and the complexity of grief and looking for support. And the thing with grief is, even if you do have support, if you've got family and friends around you, it can still be lonely and isolating because we don't talk about it enough in society. So people don't really know what to say or how to support. And that can leave you wondering if what you're experiencing is normal and it can just feel a bit bit lonely and tough. Yeah. So Im and I were, were really looking for some connection with somebody our age, somebody who was going through similar things so that we could compare notes and also have a friend that really got it, like really got it. So that led us to look for support and we both joined a Facebook group 
And it was through that that we came to a meeting um, at a pub in Sydney. And Im, I'll hand it to you now to finish the story. It was a bit of a sliding doors moment where I feel wow. like the universe was at play to make us meet. Like we both felt this pull to go to this event, even though it was super out of our comfort zones. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we turned up to this pub. It was peak COVID, so only 10 women could attend. Mm-hmm. And I had got there before Sal and I'd sat down at the table and I didn't really feel like I was clicking with anyone yet. Then Sal turned up late and I don't know what it was. I was just instantly attracted to her like warmth and her style and I was like oh she looks like a piece of me and Sal went to sit opposite me on the table and then went up to get a drink and someone took her seat and I was like damn it I was I'd never spoken to this person in my life but I was just instantly disappointed that she wasn't sitting opposite me anymore and we went around the table and talked about how we lost our mums and um, we both lost our mum suddenly mine to suicide and Sal's mum to a sudden seizure and I, we didn't actually get a chance to talk on the day and I plucked up the courage to reach out to her on Facebook after the event and we met up and we would talk for hours and hours and hours about death and grief. We must have sounded like lots of fun for anyone (laughs) who was eavesdropping on our conversations, but we just felt understood in our grief and heard. And as Sal said, we don't talk about grief enough as a society. So it was just hugely comforting for both of us to to meet someone who was going through a similar experience. And from there, we we were talking about how, you know, wow, isn't it incredible that we all go through this universal human experience? No one is exempt yet there is a real lack of resources out there that talk about the experience of grief and what's going on. You know, Im and I were both feeling the physical impacts of grief and and had no idea that it was because of grief. We decided, well, what can we do to help change the conversation? There must be lots of other people out there who are struggling with isolation and loneliness, but also want to hear stories of grief and have that connection with other people and so that's when we decided to start the good morning podcast and it just took off from there what a beautiful story it is a love story i love love (laughs) (laughs) so you know maybe the amazing connection that you have is also something that happens when people go deep and are willing to be really vulnerable with each other like there's a strong pull there that we get to understand each other in a new and deeper and more beautiful way. And then also your experience in common. I want to ask a question that something that you said, Sal, that you were both experiencing the physical nature of grief, the physicality of grief. Mm -hmm. What do people notice? Like, what is it? What is that? What are some of the things that happen physically for us? We can really take you by surprise because I think when people think about grief, they think of the huge emotional experience of grief, but they might not realize or think about how it can really take you off your feet in terms of the exhaustion. It is so exhausting physically. Often, you know, we've got things to contend with, like the estate and sorting out all of the funeral plans and stuff like that. You've got a name for that, haven't you? That grief admin. What do you call it? We call it dead men. Dead men. That's right. <laughs> dead men. Um, it's far more apt. Um, but then you've also got life as well, you know. And we'll talk about this probably a bit more later. But you know, work and 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 family life, and but then you've got the emotional stress of grief as well. So it's it's exhausting. 
I remember I would be, you know, once I kind of got back to work, I'd be at work all week. And then the weekends, I would literally just be from the bed to the sofa. And just, even though I'd had nine hours of sleep, I was just absolutely wiped out. And there are so many other ways as well in your favorite, which is brain fog. Yeah, it was debilitating for me, the brain fog. Like I, that took me by surprise the most, I think. I just couldn't remember sentences, couldn't remember what I was doing. I'd be driving the car, forget where I was going. Like I thought there was something wrong with my brain. And we hear that so often within our community. We did some digging to find out what was going on. And um, we interviewed a world-renowned neurologist who actually explained to us that grief can rewire your brain. And we have no idea about this because we don't get taught this. And so, yeah, it's just been super helpful for us finding out all of these information from some of our wonderful guests and just learning about the impact of grief because we we don't talk about it enough. Wow. And, you know, and then there's just, I know when my brother died, I, all my joints ached. Like I Mm -hmm. had physical pain and uh, felt like I had the flu for ages. And it was really just a physical response to incredible sadness and loss that, uh, so I can imagine like people thinking, oh, not only has there been a death, but now I'm sick. But actually those Mm -hmm. symptoms are part of the grieving, aren't they? Absolutely. Because your body is the stress of grief and of loss is huge. So your body is kicking into fight or flight mode, which can impact your immune system can bring on things like aches, pains, headaches, all sorts of things, changes to appetite. There's there's so, so much, but a lot of it, it all kind of comes back to the common denominator, which is stress and the emotional stress of grief. And that's the thing people often don't think about the mind-body connection when they're thinking about grief. It's so important to be aware of that. And especially in context, when it comes to the workplace, and how we cope at work, because it is it is such a huge, huge, huge experience that has a knock-on effect amongst lots of areas of our life. So let's, let's talk about that then. Let's talk about work. People are going to hear so much more from both of you in October at our conference. And we're just going to give them like a little a kind of taster of what's coming up. But the theme this year of the conference is making work beautiful. And one of the things that happens for all of us is that people die, right? And um, bad stuff happens to us that we grieve about, and then we have to get up and go to work. And you had different experiences uh, of how you were at work. Like, uh, do you want to just introduce us a little bit to like how you, yeah, how did the grief impact your um, capacity to be able to work? For me, grief was very debilitating. Like I mentioned, I was just a mess on the floor. I couldn't function in the way that I could before. And I think with suicide loss, like there's so many unanswered questions as well. It's a very, very traumatic way to lose someone. I just couldn't focus on anything other than my loss. And at the time of my mom's death, I was off on maternity leave as well. And before that, I was working in TV production. So 16 hour days, working on big shows. And I think grief just made me reassess everything in my life. I was like, I don't know if I have the capacity to go back into that type of work. 
you know, it's so exhausting as it is. I'm a new mom. I had so many things, so many factors at play. And then I met Sal and then it just kind of changed. Good morning changed the direction of my life. But for pretty much the first year of my loss, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't think straight. Mm. I really struggled to find hope for the future and everything felt really dark. And so I think if I were had to, if I had to have gone back into the work environment that I was in, I would have really, really struggled. So I think it's such an important topic to discuss because sometimes people don't have a choice and they do have to go back to work for financial reasons. And, and it's, it's really tough. Yeah. Your experience was Mm -hmm. a bit different though, Sal, wasn't it? It was. And I think it's really important when we're thinking about grief and the context of work to understand that we have different, Mm. people grieve differently and people Mm -hmm. cope differently. And for me, work was a coping mechanism. Mm. It didn't mean that I wasn't grieving. It didn't mean that I wasn't sad or missing my mum or that grief was, wasn't impacting me. Like I said, the weekends, I'd often just be on the sofa, completely exhausted. But I found a sense of reprieve in going to the office and keeping busy that way. So for me, I went back to work after um, two months off because my mum was in the UK. I had to fly back and sort a lot of her estate out the dead men um, <laughs> back in the UK. So it meant I had a little bit longer off, but I found a lot of comfort in, in being at, at work. And it took me by surprise, actually, because I remember, you know, I was running a team and I was, you know, leading client meetings and I was like, wow, I'm actually firing on all cylinders here. What's going on? Am I avoiding my grief? Like, why am I able to cope? I really judged myself. But actually, now that I know more about grief and I, you know, through the work that Im and I do, I understand that actually for me, it's how I grieve. It is my way of processing. I remember I talked a lot about my mum to my colleagues and I think it did sort of unnerve them a little bit at first because I was quite open and able to talk about my mum in a way without getting emotional. And for me, that was that was healing. That was me processing. That was me coping by sharing. So yeah, very different to him, but important to highlight that there, because when you're managing somebody or you're working with somebody who's grieving, I think we often think about sadness and maybe people kind of expressing their emotions at work as a way of expressing their grief, but actually there are lots of other ways. Isn't it interesting the way we pathologize our experience, no matter what Mm -hmm. it is, So if we can't get out of bed and we, you know, crawl into a little heap on the floor and feel a complete absence of hope, it's like, what is wrong with me? And Mm -hmm. then if we fire on all cylinders and feel that we are like really, to all intents and purposes from the outside, look like we're doing really well, then what is wrong with me? I should be grieving. So, so many invitations to kind of pathologize our experience. That's the first thing I wanted to say. The other thing that I occurred to me as I was I'm listening to you both share your stories was people need different things at work, right? And so let's do a kind of little hypothetical. You know, if a colleague, you know a colleague has had, you know, a death that they're coming back to work, you anticipate that there's they're going to be grieving but you don't know how they're going to be grieving, right? Mm -hmm. And you feel like for a lot of people, they feel really nervous about bringing it up. Like I know people would be 
very reticent to ask me when I went back to work about my brother because they didn't want to remind me. And it was like I had to say, oh, don't worry. You're not reminding me. I'm not going to forget. (laughs) It's like, it's not going to be a surprise if you mention that he's dead. Like, (laughs) it's top of mind. But, you know, so we people feeling a little nervous when they go to work. What are some of your kind of tips for people if they say, you know, my colleagues, you know, mum, brother, spouse, you know, has died and they're coming back to work. What would you say? Well, firstly, the number one tip would be acknowledge the loss. It is so important. Like you said, people probably tiptoed around it with you, Mary, and it can just make you feel even more isolated and alone because this huge monumental experience has just happened in your life. And then you go back to work, you're already feeling surreal in the workplace environment. And if people aren't acknowledging what's just happened to you, you just sit there thinking like, where am I? How am I supposed to, you know, cope with this when no one is acknowledging it? And on the other side of that, I completely empathize with people who find it difficult to know what to say, because I've definitely been one of those people, because we don't talk about grief as a a society, we don't know how to approach the topic. And it can be this really big elephant in the room and really uncomfortable. But what we have found within our community, people really appreciate realness, you know, just acknowledge how tough it is. Yeah. And, you know, just, just acknowledge the loss in any capacity that you can. I think that's probably the number one most important thing to do, because like you said, we're thinking about it anyway. It's not going to remind us that we need to be sad, you know, our, exactly. our loss and our people are on our minds a lot of the time anyway. So it can be really comforting when people do acknowledge that. And I think as well, take your cue from the person. If, if you mention their loss and you can tell they don't want to talk about it, then make a note that that's maybe their boundary. Some people might not want to talk about it that much at work. They might see work as a safe haven where they can, you know, have a bit of a a break from talking about their grief. On the other hand, some people might really want to talk about it. So you can kind of gauge how comfortable they are with maybe you bringing up their loss or checking in with them to see how they are. If you have a close relationship with that person as well, then maybe it's just letting them know like, hey, I'm here for you if you need something, if you want to go for a walk at lunchtime, if you just need a breather, if you want someone to check your emails, you know, because our gr- grief brain, like it mentioned, it can be really hard to concentrate and also get some of the tasks done. So maybe it's offering up some support in that area. Like if you just want me to check anything, any of your work, or if you want to run anything by me, that's fine as well. I'm here to support you. That can be a really good way to show your support as well. That's a really beautiful example, isn't it? Because it's thinking ahead at potentially what might be some of the more kind of mundane things. So you're not actually saying at the moment, I don't think you have expertise, but what you're saying is there's a, all of our jobs contain an element of drudge work. And if I can take Mm -hmm. any of that away from you, uh, I'm here for you, or I can back you up in some way. What was the most helpful thing? that someone did for you in the workspace or if you didn't go back to work like um, Imogen if you didn't go back to work what was the most helpful kind of acknowledgement that that was okay? I think Sal actually really helped me because Sal and I were working together together quite quickly and I think she would always be because we're both grieving right we're now doing this podcast together our community is growing really quickly 
she would always be really mindful of my grief and always be there willing to listen as well. So I think a lot of the time with grief, we want to try and fix people and hurry their grief up. But Sal always opened up that space for me to just be however I was. And that was so crucial for me in my healing. I just need somebody, I just needed somebody to be there and listen. I didn't Mm. want them to try and rush my pain or hurry my grief along. So that, if anyone's listening, was probably one of the most powerful things anyone has ever done to help me in my grief was just be there and let let me be however I showed up. I think for me, one of the best things was my boss at the time, she managed it really well. My So when mum died suddenly, I was on the next flight back to the UK. Mm. And I think she, she, she gave me a month off, no questions, but she also managed the team really well. So I didn't hear from the team initially, but after about a week, I heard from them. And that was actually really thoughtful because it's really overwhelming when you're coping with a sudden loss or or not a sudden loss, just death in general. And you've got all of these messages coming at you and you're not only trying to comprehend what's happened, but you're also trying to sort logistics out and everything like that. It's lovely to have messages of support, but it's also overwhelming. So it was a very small gesture, but I appreciated it. Because it's like she, I think she's communicated to the team. This is what's happened. You know, Sal needs your support, but can you just hold off for a, a week so that she can kind of just comprehend what's happened and then reach out to her? And I thought that was a very powerful gesture because it just gave the t- me time to get my head around what was going on without them feeling pressure to have to reply to messages. Because sometimes you actually just can't, think of what to say um so that was something that very much helped me in context to work wow sometimes Mm. it's the simplest things isn't it you know it's listening it's you know thinking about how I might be able to be thoughtful it's about reading what it is you know Mm. that people are presenting with do they look like they're uncomfortable you know then don't push in Really, really interesting. I gotta ask though, what is the most unhelpful thing? Maybe that most, you hear about or that you experience? What's the trap that people fall into? Um, well, like Im said, not acknowledging it. You know, I had a coworker that it literally was about three months before she said, Hey, I'm really sorry about your mum. And I was so aware of the fact that she hadn't said anything. It was just so uncomfortable. Um, and there would have been a reason, probably because she felt awkward, but what it, it really magnified it for me. And we worked in a small office as well, so it, it felt even more intense. And I think as well, not offering flexibility. We hear that a lot from our community. You know, not being quite workplaces that are quite rigid in mm-hmm. a sense of, you know, we can't offer you any more leave or, you know, a flexible working day. Um, that can actually be really difficult for people, especially in the aftermath of a loss, because you have a lot of things to sort out still, you know, work like grief doesn't go away because we've gone back into the office or because we're back at work. So a level of flexibility is really important, but often it can be overlooked. Yes. Yeah. M. I think I've got another thing. Yeah. Um, I think one of the most unhelpful things is the very common expectation from our society that you we need to kind of get back to normal at a certain mm-hmm. point. And often that's a couple of weeks after the funeral. 
And it's a huge misconception. You know, grief is something that we will carry with us forever. It's not something that we ever get over. And so it's really difficult when people expect us to get over it and show up at work and perform as well as we did prior to our loss. These sort of unrealistic expectations can be really difficult for the person grieving. So reassess those expectations, people, because, yeah, grief is a lifelong process and it's incredibly messy and all-consuming sometimes. And I think we just all need a lot more education around it. Yes, I I so hear you. That inflexibility drives me mm. nutty. Hey, I have really enjoyed spending a little bit of time with you, Sally and Imogen, or Sal and Im. I better join the program, <laughs> get the names right. Hey, um, I've really enjoyed catching up with you and I wanted our community to just have a chance to meet you ahead of the conference, to give them a sense that, you know, of what we can expect and I guess, well, I'm going to ask you what we can expect, but I'm really hoping you're going to give us an opportunity to dig in deep uh, around what it means to grieve and work and support each other. Absolutely. And, you know, you're going to learn about how grief impacts us, how you can be a good supporter and how you can look after people and yourself in the workplace at grief. Because, you know, a lot of your audience will experience grief at some point in their life if they haven't already. So it's not just thinking about others, it's thinking about yourself as well. Yeah. So hopefully people will have a lot of key takeaways from our conversation coming up in October. Fantastic. Absolutely. We all need to cultivate a little bit more self-compassion too, I think. So looking forward to talking about that. Oh, we always love to hear about <laughs> self-compassion. Okay, thanks, Sal and Im. We'll see you uh, at Making Work Beautiful in Melbourne, October 24 and 25. Can hardly wait. Thanks, Mary. We are very excited. I'm looking forward to seeing you then. See you. Bye. Bye.